Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. This is LFC Core. Looking forward. Looking back. Okay, so we're coming in to the end of the season. The championship's been won, and it's time to think about next season. And so one of the uh, glaring issues that Liverpool have is that if things aren't quite flowing right with the front three, or if Firmino's game is off, uh, like it happened to be against Man City, um, the f- we need something coming through the middle, and we don't really have that outside of Naby Keita. So I guess my question to you is, there's always been talk of Alexander-Arnold coming into the midfield. He originally started out in the midfield. Uh, he seems to know that position. Um, how do you think he would translate into a midfield role, and what do you think it would mean for the team? So I think the way that the team is set up right now, he's already effectively a midfielder. He doesn't do much defending when you really analyze, right? But the other thing that I would bring up is I agree with you that we need a little bit more drive and invention in the midfield. I question whether those are the skills he would bring to the midfield if he were to move there. But I do think that that's where he'll end up, but not for those reasons. So uh, the way I'm kind of thinking about it is uh, I'm looking at Neko Williams, and I'm not saying he's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but the guy's 19. Um, He seems to have um, solid skills. And again, let's keep in mind that Trent, I think he was only 18 when he finally got put in there. So... I mean, the way I'm looking at it is I'm thinking maybe it's possible that, you know, uh, Neko takes Alexander-Arnold's place and we maybe have something uh, in the the midfield. At at the very least, maybe not as inventive as Keita, but definitely kind of the the through balls or the lobs that come through. Yeah, um, so I think if we look at Alexander-Arnold in the midfield, we're... I'm assuming we're talking about maybe two or three years from now, right? We're not saying next season. I think that will be too soon. So I would think that potentially next season may be too soon, but I'm just kind of wondering because, again, you know, um, Neko is older than Trent was when he took that position. And from what we've seen, he doesn't, he doesn't look that bad in it. He definitely doesn't look like the same kind of player. Okay, so step one – what if Neko stepped in? How do you see Neko as a player? Oh, he's he's ready to play. He's he's a traditional right back with great skill on the ball, good defensively. I I I say he's almost more like Robertson than he is Trent, and probably he's probably he has the potential to be a better defender than Robertson is right now, and he also has a good delivery. He's very sharp. He's actually very quick. He has quick feet. He he started as a winger as well, and you, you can kind of tell that in his game. He's not shy to go forward, but he's also defensively astute as well. So I do think he's definitely ready. It's, it's a question of when as as opposed to if. So, I mean, think about all the stuff you said. If, if Neko comes in and Trent steps up, then theoretically, um, again, depending on how things play out, I would kind of see the defense as a little bit more solid because I think Alexander-Arnold is a bit of a weakness there. Um, So would you agree with that? Do you think at least defensively we'd be a bit more solid? Um, 
is that going too far? That might be going too far. I don't disagree with you. It, it all depends on how Klopp sets up, right? So he, I, I think he kind of stumbled upon this this particular setup. I don't know if there's any way to predict that Trent would become this this type of player when he first entered into the team. Um, and this was not the way that Klopp was setting his team to play when he first came to Liverpool. So, so I think he's looked at the pieces as any good coach would do. He's looked at the pieces. He, he's seen who, uh, who, who is gifted in what areas, and he's created a team to bring the most out of the its parts. So now that Williams is reaching a point where he needs to be given game time, and Trent clearly can offer a little bit more going forward and less at the back, it would make sense for him to now look for the next piece of the evolution, to move Trent into the midfield, replace him with Williams at the back, not necessarily to be to become more solid defensively, but to, to continue to to um, maximize the team uh, or, or to maximize the sum of the team's parts. So I mean. I'm, I'm not disagreeing he wouldn't make the move for defensive purposes. I'm saying to me that would be a bit of a bonus because I do feel like uh, there are some times that Trent's gotten exposed back there. Um, again, Neko hasn't played enough to see it. Um, whether he would or not, but I just, I kind of feel like I don't see a big drop off. In fact, I see like there might be a bit of an improvement and I think he's ready. I don't, I don't know that we get a lot from holding him further back. And I think that's why you're seeing him appear in more games than maybe some of the other young guys. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's interesting how he's completely overtaken Kiana Hoover, who I thought looked class last year when he came in. Granted, I think he's a little bit, unfortunately, he's a little bit too short to jump right into the center, uh, into the central defender role. And what I saw of him at right back, I thought he looks more like a replacement, like for like for Trent Alexander-Arnold, because he has that good balance between class at the back and also a good delivery going forward and, and just more of an analytical approach to, to the game as opposed to Williams, who is more in the mold of Robertson, where it's just bombing forward, bombing back. You know, I got to say, I actually wouldn't have that big a problem with having both of the backs bombing forward and back constantly. I think the amount of stress that would put on the defense um, with potentially um, balls coming through the middle as well, because I think that's what would happen if, if you talk about say maybe, and again, this is just a, a fantasy type thing, but if Keita and um, Trent are playing in the midfield, now you're getting balls coming also through the midfield, not just bombing up the sides. So it would be a very different look, but I also think that would put a lot of pressure on the defense. It'll be a different look. And I think, like I said, Klopp would have to adjust his team. Can you imagine Van Dijk and Gomez at the back chilling the way they normally do and having two fullbacks just running up and down chaotically. That's not what we see right now, right? And so um if if we're talking about maybe two two seasons from now, most likely Trent would be playing in the midfield role, probably take the Henderson position, right? So you'd have Fabinho at the base, Henderson and Keita in the middle unless they get somebody else. So and then in front of them you'd have whoever is playing out forward and whoever's playing out wingers at that time. Now, I, 
I, I can see Trent playing in the Henderson role and playing more like a De Bruyne, where he, he, he would be dropping back into some of the positions that he currently has, but he wouldn't be given the defensive responsibilities. Well, I mean, to be honest, just being compared to a De Bruyne type role is is pretty lofty. But again, I think he's shown that he has the ability to make those passes, to make those runs. Um, and he's got that foot just like De Bruyne who can take a, a free kick and put it in the back of the net. So that may be a pretty good description. And again, if that's what he's going to develop into, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the midfield earlier rather than later. So we saw him in a... In the midfield for a game, was it last season? There was a game where he he played in the midfield and he didn't look too great. Naturally, uh, because he hasn't been used to playing there and the team hasn't been used to having him in the midfield, he would have to be given time to really grow into the role. I remember Steven Gerrard when he first entered the team. He he started as a midfielder for a couple games as an eighteen year old, and then he 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 played a right back and he was very good. And he played a left back as well. And he was very good. And then he was slowly eased into the midfield. And I remember initially, a lot of fans were saying that we should just keep him at right back because he's the best right back of the club. And in the midfield, he was making a lot of mistakes. He was a little bit too rash. But again, he was around Trent's age. He was 21, maybe even 20. And it took a couple seasons for him to grow into the role. Now, the question becomes, Trent has a foot like De Bruyne, but he he's not as skillful. Well, maybe that's not the right word. He He's not as intelligent yet as De Bruyne is, and that will probably come with maturity and time. I don't know if we need a box-to-box midfielder in our midfield, right? So if Trent moves into the midfield, he needs to move in and, and keep playing the same game that he's playing without the his defensive responsibilities. I wouldn't want him to, to try to turn into a Steven Gerrard. Is, is, is what I'm trying to say. Right. It would need to match his, um, you know, his personal abilities. But I guess the other thing I'm thinking of is like, he is probably the number one right back in the world at the moment um, or top three or whatever. Do you take the risk to move him? And in my mind, I kind of feel like that's a risk worth taking. Cause again, he's still young. He still has many, many more years and I feel like at some point he'll start being held back in the in the back position. And at the same time, I feel like Neko Williams has shown a lot. And I, I feel like he can give something to this team, um, both going forward and going back, maybe something a bit different than what Alexander-Arnold gives. But it would give us another weapon in the midfield because right now our midfield is not looking great. And if we don't make any you know, big transfers in the summer, I'm not loving our midfield going into next year. Yeah, but Trent is not the answer to that 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 problem. I I agree that changes need to be made, but I don't think Trent is the answer right now. Maybe in a couple seasons he may be, and I think the emergence of Nico Williams is just accelerating this question. But perhaps we should allow it to play its course. Um, one question I have for you is: if he were to, if and when he he does move into the midfield, do you think he'll retain the same number of assists? Um, I think that would be difficult to say because right now this team is built and offense is built in such a way that it's that crossing ball in that kind of drives the offense where I don't know what it would look like if we actually had a midfield that could produce something. Um, So again, I, I don't know because think about it. So right now, 
we have a guy like Genie, who you know I like, um, in the midfield. We have a guy like Fab, who's back. And Hendo's finally started playing a more forward role. But really, none of those guys are long-shot threats, um, except for apparently Fab, who learned that somewhere, and oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's more a case of the offense is driven by the front three and uh, Robbo and uh, Alexander-Arnold. Now, if Alexander-Arnold moves, now you can drive the offense differently. So I don't know if it would be that type of situation. Maybe it would turn into something like Alexander-Arnold would be asked to take more shots from just outside the box as opposed to making those plays um, into the box. Or maybe he would be set up further back to make kind of the long um, balls down the field. So it's, it's difficult to tell how many assists, but I can very much see that he'd have a lot of tools and plays that that could be built around his skills. Yeah, I th- I think there's many things that that are going to change with this team by the time he he ends up in midfield. I I suspect that we won't have Mane, Sal, and Firmino all all at the same time, um, still in place as as a as a front three when he's in the midfield. Um, if so, we sorry are to interrupt to- you. Then then that means that you're not sold on him moving for the next couple of years. I'm not. Definitely not like next season. In next season, I I can see Williams playing more games, giving Trent some rest because I I think he has been overplayed. And as a young player, there is a tendency to to overplay young players that are that good. But when they're defenders, you you sometimes need to take them out of the limelight for for a game or two. So that's where Williams will be able to get his games. If, um, he he'll be able to get some games in the, in, in the cups. And he'll be coming into substitute uh, Trent every now and then for next season for sure. The season after that, he'll still only be twenty. Trent will be twenty twenty two, and one of Firmino, Salah, and Mane would most likely have moved on, and we probably wouldn't be playing with a life for life front three. We'd probably have more of a number nine striker, maybe like. Holland from um, Borussia Dortmund. I'm not saying w- that that's the player that we'll get, but someone like him, more of a traditional um, front man. And then I see us relying more on our fullbacks to play as traditional wingers and then have a more composed um, composed and balanced midfield of, let's say, Fabinho, Trent, and Keita in the middle. So that that almost sounds like it would be a bit... Um, not a bit, a lot of a change to uh, Klopp's philosophy. What's his philosophy? Well, just the way he's built the team right now is about uh, holding midfield and um, putting the ball up the sides and bombing into the middle. So, I mean... No, but that's my point. Do you, that's not, that's do you not think how he started. Because of, but do you think that's because of his players? So you're saying you think that's because yeah, of his players, it's, it's, not because of his preference. It, it's the personnel, absolutely. It's, it's clear that he evolved his tactics um, as he uh, as he began to underst- understand the personnel they had at his disposal. And and I think, too, a lot of the credit has to, to come with um, Pep Linders as well, right? So prior to this, at Borussia and Mainz, when he was coaching, he had a style that he played. Now at Liverpool, he's been evolving his style almost every other season with the players he, he, that he has at his disposal. And I think that will continue to evolve as he's seeing the younger players coming through. So he, he looks at someone like Nico Williams and sees, okay, this is a right back who plays like a traditional right back, 
right? Or a, a tra traditional wing back. So it's an opportunity for him to move Trenton into the middle and still utilize his gifts. Then he looks at people like Curtis Jones. Where can he fit in? Harvey Elliott, where can he fit in, right? And then he'll be he'll begin to evolve his his um, philosophy. Otherwise, the team will, will be found out because once you box Trent out of the game, you essentially nullify our threat right now. Right? Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I got to say, I love the way the team operates right now. Um, I love... Um, I, I mean, I would like more through the midfield, but I see kind of more of an addition of a guy like Keita to help with that as opposed to a complete philosophy change. But yeah, you've you've actually got me thinking if and when they do decide to move Trent out of um, that back position and move into the midfield, I think they're going to need to completely change the philosophy of the team. So it's, it's probably not a next year thing because I think next year they'll probably be looking at repeating epl and getting back at the champions league semifinals or finals but maybe the year after i i, I kind of see where you're going with that yeah and i think the the bigger question is what to do on the left side robertson is he's still young but he's not getting any younger and there's just nobody coming through that is of the same quality well i mean i think part of that is there aren't that many players um that are in that mold i think right now liverpool have in their younger team they have a uh, larucci right yeah and adam lewis he he yeah and they haven't really looked like neko williams when you see him play you see that he's, he's um, ready like he's he, he's ready he's in waiting yeah. where those guys i i watch them and i i hope they develop they're just decent right like, I, I hope that they can get there, but a guy like Neko Williams, I, I can very much see this guy's ready, and that's why we're talking about moving Alexander-Arnold, because there's a guy who's ready. I, I agree with you. I don't know what they do on the other side. They'll have to maybe buy someone if if in a year or so, um, you know, the, the younger guys don't develop, because again, who really backs up... Um, uh, who really backs up Robertson right now? It's only Milner, and he's eight hundred and thirty-two years old. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, now, you what, need to you need to get someone. What would be interesting is if they take a leaf out of um, the earlier days, where you would have right-footed players playing at left back, right? Someone like Dennis Irwin, who played for Manchester United. If if they can coach and teach Nico Williams how to play on the left as well as the right, then. That's when we're that's when we're laughing because then he'll he'll be able to get enough game time playing on either side for the next couple seasons and be able to back them both up. That would be a big um, a big advantage for sure. I I just don't know. I think Neko will have a hard enough time adapting uh, just getting into the Premier League because again, you're not talking about joining the Premier League on like Aston Villa. You're talking about joining uh, the EPL champions. So the the level you need to be at is very high, and there's not a lot of time to get accustomed to it. So I think that might be putting a little too much on him, but I don't disagree. I think it would be um, absolutely amazing if if they could do that. And then you've just got Robbo one side, you've got Alexander Arnold the other side, and you got Neko Williams subbing for them when they need it. That would be, I think you could run with that for several years if that type of, uh, if Neko's able to get to that level. Okay, so the last word on this, we're both in agreement that Nico Williams is ready to, to step into this amazing Liverpool team. And we both agree that Trent will eventually move into the midfield. It's just a question of when. 
Yes, but I think you've convinced me next year is definitely not the year for it. It would be at the earliest the year after. Great. Facts and figures. So last week I read this article that stated Liverpool will be the most economical Premier League winners ever. And I read the article, I saw a bunch of numbers and stats and comparisons, but honestly, they totally lost me. And I knew that you would read that article and would make sense of it. So I'm hoping you can shed some light. Yeah, so this is the kind of article that makes everybody's eyes glaze over except number freaks like me. Um, So awesome article. Um, I'm kind of angry that someone else managed to beat me to it. But it's, it's really interesting. Basically, what he's saying is when you take total team salaries... Uh, and you divide by the number of wins, how much does it cost for a team to win? Um, And so what he's saying is Liverpool, and again, we're talking many seasons, so you have to adjust for inflation, but let's ignore that. Okay, so it is adjusted then. So it is adjusted for inflation, or else it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Right. But essentially, what it's saying is Liverpool will pay about $3 million per win when we get to the end of the season, um, which is... In wages, in wages. So does that is that a lot? Is that a little? What they're saying is $3 million per win is very little um, when you look at league winners. So I want to be clear on that because the uh, a really good example is when you look at some other teams like Sheffield. So Sheffield United are going to end up paying somewhere in the ballpark of like less than a million pounds per win this season but they're not winning the league. So what they're trying to show is how do they compare to other winners? So again, the highest spender, which won't be much of a surprise, will be Jose Mourinho's Jose Mourinho's Chelsea back in 2014-15 and they spent 8.3 million pounds. So almost three times what Liverpool is spending per win. And then when you compare, for example, to Pep Guardiola's side, um, who won last year, they were at 6.9 million pounds per win. So they were paying essentially almost double per win. So this is where we come back to. I know we've had these conversations, and I am absolutely adamant that Liverpool's achievement is being understated, which is Liverpool is not just winning and not just doing an amazing job. They're doing it on a significantly smaller um, salary base and significantly smaller transfer payment base than the other teams they're competing against. Okay, so I have two points that I want to present as a counter-argument to that. Firstly, where does the Leicester team factor into all of this, right? So I'm assuming because they're qualified or or the metric that's being used here is, is per win, so maybe Leicester, the Leicester team that won five years ago, whenever that was, didn't win as many games, obviously, as Liverpool will win this season. But still, I would assume that they would be the most economical Premier League winners without focusing on the per-win metric, right? So that's the first thing. And then secondly, there was another article I read last week, I don't know if you saw this, that mentioned that for the second year in a row, Liverpool will pay the most in agent fees, Right. And I think that probably speaks to the fact that we're f- we've we'd be focusing on on contract negotiations with our current squad as opposed to bringing players in. So we are spending the money, but we're not necessarily spending it the way that other teams have been spending it. So we are spending it more wisely, 
Exactly. So we're spending it more wisely. And you're right in terms of um, what, you know, what a team like Leicester paid, they paid less in total salary. Um, but really, it was more about um, about how much you're paying per win. Because yeah, also keep in mind, the that they- like Leicester, when they won, uh, how many points did they have? I don't even I don't remember. I think 80, 81 or 85. Right, something like that. They wouldn't even be in second place this year. Well, I guess they might be in second. Well, no, Man City will probably get there. So you're talking this I year. I don't think so. Oh, you're right. They, they're pretty far off. But my point is, like, the last couple of years, that 80-something point mark isn't going to get you much. Right. So you're really talking about you need to get all of these additional wins now, and it's not... You can't just say, oh, you know, uh, Leicester did great. Well, they did, but again, it was a bit of a different league back then because 80-something points would win it. So right now, you do have to look at getting a ridiculous amount of wins. And the the simple metric is when you look at the number of wins and you look at the salaries spread across that, Liverpool is um, has the highest or has the lowest cost per win. But to your point, a lot of their their current pre- uh, costs are in agent fees because they're re-signing players and they're extending players as opposed to going out in the transfer market and acquiring. So this metric doesn't even count that Liverpool isn't going out in the transfer market. It doesn't count the fact that Pep's side is spending over £100 million a year in bringing in new players. That's actually on top of the $6.9 million per win that he had so it really is an amazing job that liverpool is doing again it's not just about winning it's about winning at an economical rate and the bottom line is liverpool is the most economical team in the epl that there's ever been seen well so do you mean the most economical winners or the most economical team the most economical winners i apologize yes okay not to put you on the spot but would you happen to have a list of so the 20 teams in the EPL this this year you said that we're spending about 3 million per win or something like that right yes that well i this again it would probably be easier um to look at like a last year type thing um sure uh, mm-hmm. uh because I'm, again I'm, I'm, this is just more of an estimate because of course this year isn't finished but they're aiming right. to come in around 3 million and that would put them in the ballpark of the invincibles in terms of um, price, uh, salaries per win. I'm just curious as to where we land in the overall table, right? So if if we look at the 20 teams and how much a win is costing them, what number are we on that list? I'm just curious if you would happen to have that. So I don't have that. I could definitely look into it and maybe come back at some point. Um, again, I can tell you approximately where it would be, which is we would be under the Man U's, Man City's, uh, Chelsea's of the world, and we would be above many of the other lower-ranked teams. Because you look at a team like uh, the Wolves, they're they're not winning as many as we are, as many games as we are, but their salaries aren't in the same ballpark that ours are. Uh, a team like Sheffield, right? They're paying 
less than a third per win than we are. So we're not going to be able to compete with some of those teams. You know, you look at some of the the lower end teams and just their total salaries are are quite low. Um, so I'm not sure how appropriate um, uh, the the comparison would really be. Okay. You said something that just made me realize perhaps I'm not understanding this metric fully. So I'm looking at the league table right now, right? So hypothetically, if the season ended today, we've we've had 28 wins, right? Then I compare that to Norwich that's only had five wins, right? Yep. Um, if Norwich's wage bill is 100 million pounds and ours is 200 million pounds, how is the win the cost per win calculated i'm, I'm just trying to understand that it would like be I'm the 100 million pounds win. it would yes. you would take the 100 million pounds and you divide it by the number of wins so for example Got give it. me how so, many how many wins does norwich have they have five so norwich uh, their annual salary is in around the 13 to 15 million pound mark so if they have five they'd be in around just under our um our total. So they'd be just under 3 million. Take Got a look it. at another okay. team like so, Aston Villa. Where would, how many wins mm-hmm. does Aston Villa have? Seven. So they're at 24. So they would be just above us. They'd actually be at 3.3, 3.4 million per pounds per win. So you can see we're actually, even when you take a look at the lower end guys, we're probably in that kind of range. Yeah. Except, except for the true ultimate outliers like a Sheffield, whose salaries are just really that small. Right. And that's purely based on the fact that we've won so many games this year. And, yes. and also comparatively, compar- comparatively speaking, for a top, for a top one club, <laughs> um, we, we, we do have a small wage bill. So that's really the point. It's comparatively speaking, um, for uh, a, a large one of the elite clubs, I think would be the best way to say it. We have yeah. a much lower wage, right? Because when you look at a, a team like Man U, where they're paying their keeper what like our top two players combined get, that's, that's madness. Yeah. Anyway, right? When you look at a team like um, like Man City, of course their wages are are two and a half to three times. I think they were they were getting to almost 300 million this year in salaries, which is just unbelievable that they can afford that. But it's not even that. It's that when you're paying that much, are they really winning two and a half to three times as much as we are? No. Right. Okay. So I can I can see now, I can understand the reason for picking that metric. It, it would have been nice to do it on a per point basis, but I guess it's, it's almost the same thing. I'm sure it no, so there's it, there is on a per point basis, um, and lots okay. of people look at it in different ways. It's just this one happens to tell a much more interesting story because when you, if you look at a per point basis, um, we're probably around the top, but not actually the most economical. So it's a better article to write when you say the most economical as opposed to one of right. the most. So that's why this metric was chosen as opposed to the other one where we're close. But again, we don't have a ton of ties, right? When you would look at some other teams um, that maybe got a lot of ties, they would have uh, a bit of a different, uh, you know, we had more wins and that's really what brought our salary per win down where other teams would have points. So if you did it per point, they might've paid a little bit less than us per point. But again, the, 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 the the main thing comes back to this isn't just a good team. It's a good team that's built in a smart way, 
and it's not built on just throwing money and that that should be talked about a lot more speaking of which i'm not just saying this but i'm actually intrigued to read your article once it's ready so can you give me a uh, heads up as to when you think that'll be uh, available on our on our website so uh, I'll be looking to write the article this coming weekend. So um, July 4th, 5th, uh, maybe I'll have it ready for, for sometime mid of next week. So maybe think of the 8th or so. Okay, looking forward to reading it. Critique and commentary. So we have the league wrapped up this season. It's time to look forward to the next. Who do you think our main rivals are going to be? Obviously, Man City. I suspect that Chelsea and Man U are also going to be up there. What do you think? So... I mean, I I saw Chelsea playing against Man City, and I I think they did very well. I think there's a lot of talent on that team, uh, and they're getting Werner coming in too. So it's going to be a really good team. My only thought with them is, and, and again, I think maybe if they were in a different league, it would be a bit different. The EPL feels like a man's league. Um, and that team seems to have a lot of boys on it. Like not not that I'm criticizing them, but they're still very young, and just that that muscle mass and all of that, you know, that edge hasn't really come into their game yet. So while I think that they are um, good for um, some fun, exciting wins. I think they're going to have a hard time winning game in and game out. And again, being so young, I think they're going to lack that mentality. Um, then the other one you said, Man U, I mean, they've got all the money in the world to throw around and they're going to throw it around as much as I hate to say it. I think their Bruno Fernandez signing was fantastic. He's looked great lately. Um, so legitimately they might have a chance if they could fix that goaltending issue. I think they have Karius in that, is it? <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. I mean, have you seen De Gea lately? He's terrible. Honestly, like watching those games is reminding me of Karius. So they do have Dean Henderson at Sheffield United, who will most likely come back next season if they can sell De Gea, which is a huge if. They'll they'll never be able to, not on that salary. Right. And so that's that form. Yeah, like like that's the thing. I mean, he's okay, he's maybe not Carius, but he's not a sharp goalie. So even if you want to move Dean Henderson in, are you willing to leave um the what is it, like three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week just sitting on the sideline as a backup and he will obviously cause a distraction to the team if he's sitting so i think you've got kind of a a keeper issue there and you've also got um an issue with everyone other than fernandez i mean fernandez is looking good but i mean i've watched pogba and the guy is just when he decides to play he's very very good but he just doesn't decide to play enough yeah, I I I think Man U will definitely cause some damage next season. As in, I would be concerned playing them, not necessarily winning the league, but playing them for sure. They'll be one of the teams that I'd be concerned about. Chelsea, I see more as a threat because I think they still have a lot of muscle memory of winning the league. And you mentioned the young players. Granted, there are quite a few inexperienced players there, but what I've seen over the course of this season is uh, Frank Lampard started the season. He was playing a lot of the younger players, gave them a lot of playing time, and their results were up and down. So they would win games, lose games. They could never keep a clean sheet. Then when he started reintroducing all of the the more experienced players, I saw a little bit of consistency and the ability of the younger players to develop and to learn from 
the experience of the players that have already lifted uh, championship ch championships before. So, and then you add now Timo Werner. This was even before they decided to to purchase Timo Werner. I, I, I thought that they were going in the right direction. And when I look at the team, they most of the team are in their mid twenties, so they're not as young as they might seem. So I do hear what you're saying. Um, I I wonder how many guys um, uh, they do have from that old team. Um, but pretty I mean, much everybody, I, right? I guess except, it's true. Except Eden Hazard. Yeah, who they sold and and made a good profit on. Mm -hmm. um, so I I don't disagree. It's just more a case of I feel like they will end up having to rely on the younger guys. Because the older guys are not going to take them where they need to go. And I just feel like the younger guys are going to be up and down. And I wonder what a year of fighting and battling against some of the bigger, stronger men in the EPL will do for them. Um, but I agree with you. I think I – so on the man you side, I agree. I think I am worried playing them next year. I'm not really worried them taking the league. Chelsea, I am worried playing them. And I'm – kind of not worried with them winning the league i think it's back to liverpool and man city but then i guess the other question becomes is it going to be man city because if they have a two-year uh champions league suspension are players going to fly the coop and then who do they have left that is true that's a great point and on on the issue of champions league i think chelsea what could be chelsea's greatest ally is missing out of the champions league next season and then relief focusing on on attacking the league with everything that they have. I think that will do them wonders. Similar to when Klopp came in, we his first well his half his first half season we reached the UEFA the Europa League Cup final. We lost, so we didn't have European uh, European football the next season. And then we we it, it really helped bring the team together and, and it gave him time to really implement his tactics on the squad, right? And then from there, we, we just kept looking up and up and up. But Chelsea's making European football next year. There's no question about it. They're currently in fourth, and if Man City gets suspended, then they effectively go into third. So, And even if they don't get that, they'll be looking at Europa League if they don't get into Champions League, which would actually be even worse for them if they play in Europa League. So I I, I see where you're going, but I think that they're going to be making the, the, the European tournaments. Um, but again, they have a lot of young guys, so presumably the young guys can bounce back a bit more. I don't know. What about a, a, an outside team like the Wolves? To compete for the title or to give us a run for it? Well, I guess I was asking for both, but the truth is nobody, the, the Wolves aren't winning the title. No, no. Wolves, Sheffield United, Arsenal, Tottenham, forget about it. I don't see any other team competing for the league except Liverpool Man City slightly possibly Chelsea and Man U so I would I would say uh, the same with you I think uh, Man U I would take off that list I think they're doing well this year but I again they're at 52 points and we're at 86 so that's a lot of ground to make up I could see a team like Man City making up that ground again they're 20 points behind us I could see them making up 20 points because I think maybe they had a few bad breaks this year a bit more luck and they could be higher a bit of luck we could be lower but I I just can't see Man U catching us and I would see Chelsea being better next year for sure uh, what about Leicester they're they're in between there and we always forget about them 
No, but keep in mind that the year before last, we were 25 points behind Man City. So it's not it, it, it like it's not impossible for teams to make up that ground. I'm looking more at Manchester United and Chelsea have proven that they can go on unbeaten streaks of over 10 games, right? And sometimes what it takes is momentum. Just like the year that Leicester won, they had the momentum and they kept it for the entire season. If they hadn't started as well, there's no way they would have won the league that year. So all it takes is for Man U or Chelsea to start well, gain momentum, and they have the experience and the the drive of being a big club that can push them over the line. So, so to some degree, I would I, I see where you're going. I can see that with Chelsea. I would question that with Man U because I don't see Pogba as a leader, and I don't see Solskjaer as the kind of coach that can maintain the momentum for the whole season. I think there does need to be a good job coaching to maintain that momentum, to get them up every game, everything like that. Um, And again, when you're towards the top of the league and people are gunning for you and hunting you, that also takes a special kind of mentality. And so I would question if Manu has that, where I see Chelsea with young guys and a good coach that they could maybe take that a bit better. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on Man U. I think Chelsea is is going to be more legitimate next year. Do you think Leicester have any hope, or was this year another kind of nice story for them? They'll get into Champions League, and that's about it. I think that's about it. And I'm not even sh- I don't think that they're going to make Champions League this year, unless Man City gets banned. But even then, it's so tight right there between the, the, the four clubs. Um, yeah. I'd, and they're the ones with the worst form right now. And I, I can't believe that they've allowed other teams to catch up. Yeah, they. I, I felt like they had a stranglehold. It was like one, two, three. I felt like it was decided, um, you know, I mean, months ago, but that's because of Corona. But I felt like it was it was pretty well decided who was number one, two, and three. And I'm just blown away by the fact that they are now one point up on Chelsea. And they're only three points up on Man U and the Wolves. So you're right. They might actually slip out because they're not in good form. And I would argue that the worst form lately has been shown by Sheffield, which I feel really bad for them. This restart hasn't been kind to them. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, I'm not sure if they would have benefited from reaching the Champions League. Obviously, they would have benefited financially, but I think they should just focus on staying in the league next season because they could very well get relegated next season. I've seen it happen before. Yeah, it's true. You come in, you look really good, and then the year after, you just kind of fall right back down. Right. But in terms of Liverpool, I think I'm with you. Man City is going to give us a run, although, again, that depends on uh, what happens with their Champions League ban and if players decide to leave because of it. I think Leicester's falling off, and Chelsea will be there, and Man U on the outside would be would be mine. I have no surprise uh, teams that could maybe challenge us because i just don't see any other Uh, again i'm with you arsenal and tottenham are just too fundamentally flawed to be able to get to that level yeah and i'm gonna make a prediction if we can start the season well as in go unbeaten for the first four games or even win four out of the first five games we're gonna win the league I don't care what any other team is doing the only hope that any, any any other team has is if we don't start well yeah, I think I think if we can get out in front early, um, A, it helps us as a team, but B, I think it'll just demoralize the other teams and say, oh God, they're going on another 100-point run, and then exactly. people will change their thinking. So I agree with you. I think that's, that's the important part to the start of next season. Um, 
and and let's wait and see i can't wait we uh we have the epl title and i want a second and a third so next year is going to be an exciting year for more stories analysis and articles go to the forensicop.com website